0: Welcome back to another episode of the Leading Saints podcast. If you've enjoyed content on this podcast, it's important that I tell you about the Leading Saints newsletter that we send out every week. This newsletter keeps you up to date on all the current Leading Saints content releases, including podcasts, articles, online events, and even live events that might be happening in your own area. In this newsletter, we also recommend some past episodes and written articles that you don't want to miss. Each week, we include additional leadership perspectives and thoughts that you can only find in the weekly newsletter so you definitely don't want to miss out. To subscribe to the weekly newsletter, simply text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit LeadingSaints.org slash subscribe. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit LeadingSaints.org slash subscribe so you don't miss any future Leading Saints content. The following episode is a throwback episode, one that was published previously and was extremely popular. To see the details of when this was originally published, see the show notes. Enjoy this throwback episode. Like I probably just mentioned, this is a reproadcast interview with Dustin Peterson, where he talks about discovering and using our God-given talents. And I want to mention that he's actually turned the content of this interview and other interviews that he's done into a really good book called Talented, Discovering and Using Your God-Given Talents to Find More Joy in Life. And it just came out in June of 2021, and you got to go check it out. So maybe first listen to this episode, see if these principles resonate with you. I think they will, because this was a really popular interview when we originally released it. And then go to Amazon or any place you get books and check out Talented, Discovering and Using Your God-Given Talents to Find More Joy in Life by Dustin Peterson. So here is my interview with Dustin Peterson. from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability. Now, Dustin, how are you?
1: Great, Kurt, how are you, sir?
0: Very good. I'm glad we, we arranged this. We've been in, in contact for over seven years Yeah. for this moment.
1: too. That's uh, right. It <laughs> so all builds to this. moment. Ago,
0: early on, when when leading LDS was just a little a little lad, we talked about uh, collaborating on some some items, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen until now. So, Dustin, what do we need to know about you? What's your background, and why are you on the leading LDS webinar today?
1: Yeah, well, great to be here with everybody. Glad to be here. It's it's a rainy day here in Houston, Texas, and uncharacteristically cold, sixty degrees, I think which is just almost unbearable for Houston. So I, I am a leadership consultant. I run a leadership consulting group called Proof Leadership Group. We do training in the social sector. We work with organizations to help them develop their culture uh, and to make an amazing place where people can work and, and do great work. A lot of the concepts that we teach would be very, very familiar to LDS folks because principles are eternal. And so I do a lot of that. I've also written a book about how to figure out what to do with your life called Reset, How to Get Paid and Love What You Do. And so I do a lot of career coaching on the side. Just people read the book and say, Hey, I need some help. And so I do a lot of that, but that's where I spend most of my time.
0: Yeah. Wow. And uh, so what's the typical scenario? See, who's, who's the typical person that comes to you with uh, as, as far as leadership or even career coaching?
1: Yeah, they're kind of two different groups of people and leadership. So because I work mostly in the social sector, I get C-suite people or leaders of organizations who come to me and say one of two things, either Dustin, our organization is a dysfunctional mess, help, or Dustin, we don't want our organization to become a dysfunctional mess, help. And so I help them get intentional about developing their organization, their culture, their leaders and managers, providing training. And on the career side, I actually did some dem- demographic study on that. I get, you know, it's usually people between the ages of about 30 and 45. Usually people that make good incomes and are educated, and yet they are stuck. They've become trapped by the golden handcuffs. They feel like they can't love their work and get paid to do that. Like Those two things can't coexist. And so they come to me for some help. And uh, that's where I spend a lot of my time coaching folks.
0: Awesome. And uh, you're currently serving in the stake presidency, right? Uh, Maybe tell us a little bit about your church background and
1: and leadership there. Sure. So yes, I am. I've been in the stake presidency as a second counselor for about four years now. And I'm, I've almost begun to figure out what it is I'm supposed to be doing. And so that's good. Before that, I was on the high council for six months. And before that, I was a seminary teacher, early morning seminary teacher. In fact, when I was called into the stake presidency, it's kind of a, a quick, funny story. To yeah, I'd love to hear. When I was called calling the stake presidency, they came and, you know, they selected our stake president, the general authorities. And they said, so the president, who do you want to call as your counselors? And he said, I know exactly who I want this man is my first counselor. And they said, Oh yeah, this guy's great. He's going to provide a ton of experience. He's been a Bishop twice. He's, he's really going to give a lot of value to you. That's a really great choice. And how about your second counselor? He said, I like Dustin Peterson (laughs) and they paused and they said, Hmm, yeah, Dustin Peterson. I don't know if he's going to really give you much president. What, you know, what are you, what are you hoping to get? And he's like, yeah, I don't know, but I feel like he could probably do something. They're like, okay, yeah, but well let's see, you know, let's see the Lord will qualify him. And so they told me that story when they called me and I'm like, man, I I feel pumped. (laughs) I'm super excited. The underdog. underdog. This guy's not going to give you much. It was such a low bar that if I do anything even good, then they're like, wow, that guy's tremendous. So <laughs> I've been living up to that low bar and just trying to exceed it ever since.
0: Nice, that's awesome. Well, and I bet. So, was there was it pure inspiration from your state president, or did he was there a certain traits or
1: talents that uh, that he saw? You know, I think it was pure inspiration. I mean, truth be told, I in fact I remember that moment when we were all sitting in the high council room waiting to for our turn to be interviewed, and because I was on the high council, I happened to be in that room and. I was sitting there reading my scriptures, and I remember looking up, and he and I made eye contact for just a brief moment. He told me later that that was that moment where he just felt like, you know what, I I think that guy can give something. I taught his daughter in seminary, so he'd seen my seminary classes, and I think he, you know, again, he he saw something, maybe he felt something that I didn't know. But I'm still trying to rise to that. Still trying as good as I could. After four years, they haven't fired you, so uh, that's like that's what I keep saying.
0: Nice. Nice. Well, how would you introduce... Uh, what's the best way to introduce the topic that we'll discuss
1: today and, and what we're, what we're going to learn? Yeah. So this, this is what I have kind of built my whole life on. We're going to talk about talent today. And I think it's such an important topic for a number of reasons. Number one, people don't feel like they have them. Number two, if they do have them, they don't know how to identify them. And number three, I think this is the greatest way... I mean, this is like the ultimate gift that a leader could give to anybody in their organization, anybody in their auxiliary. If I can teach a primary kid at a very young age how to begin to identify their talents, or if I can teach youth how to identify those talents, talents become a lens through which I can approach my future work, my family, my calling, and everything else in life. And so I just think this is such a fundamental topic. I've kind of gone all in on it in my career and... I talked to my wife. I said, Kurt wants me to give a webinar. What should I talk about? And I gave her a couple of ideas. She's like, no, those all sound lame. And I said, what about talent? She's like, Oh, that's good. Talk about talents." Oh, good. All right. So she gave me the endorsement. Nice. And I
0: know with talents, it's it's a tough one. Cause as in the various interviews I do, a lot of people uh, will say things like, you know, a leader should play to their strengths or, mm-hmm. or, you know, each leader needs to be themselves leading. He shouldn't just be like the get last guy or gal. Right. And, and that's great and I think that's good advice but a lot of people just come and will say, well, I don't really have any talents, you know. I just uh, I'm just doing the best I can showing up on Sundays. But to me it's more of a process of identifying what our talents are so that we can magnify those.
1: Totally. I mean, that's that's what they're there for, right? You've got to identify them, put them to use. We're going to talk a little bit about today what happens when you do that, when you start to put them to use. And hopefully my goal, my outcome is that you walk away if you're on this webinar today or you're listening in that you walk away with some clarity about what might be at least one of your God-given talents that you can start more intentionally putting to use. Awesome. So we're going we're gonna to set that high bar. Okay. Where do we begin? So let me flash over to some slides. I'm going to bring up some slides for those of you that have access and are able to kind of view those. And I, I want to take it through some of this content. So you should be able to see that little guy up on the screen there. Can you see Same. that, Kurt? Uh-huh. Great. I chose this slide very intentionally. So I, my daughter invited me to come speak at her 6th grade class career day. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and so that was super fun. I got to come for career day and speak. And I stood in front of this group of 6th graders. And when I thought, what could I teach them? Of course, I went in on talent. So I went to them and I said, Hey, what is a talent? Does anybody know what a talent is? You know, every kid in that room raised their hand with an answer? Like they all have like such clarity about this. And one of them said something that just resonates with me. He said, it's a superpower. I thought, yeah, it is a superpower. That's exactly what it is. And so that's what I chose to start the webinar with today. It's just this visual. When you think about talents, think about things that make you super unique. They're superpowers. They're, they're things that, can, that you can do that other people can't do in quite the same way. And they make you feel powerful. When you use them, you feel like this kid flicks in his muscles. And so anyways, I chose to begin with that side. But Kurt, I want to start off by just telling two quick stories. To kind of lead us into this. Is that okay? Yeah, please. So the first one is when I was 24 years old. So I graduated from BYU, Idaho. And I went out and did what society prescribed that you go do, which is get a job and become a breadwinner. And so I went and and did that and very quickly found myself kind of dreading work. It was a job that was totally incongruent with me to the point that I just actually kind of fell into some depression and I just felt really tired all the time. And I was joking with an audience yesterday I spoke to that I, I had timed it so I knew exactly how long I needed to, to shower and get to work, but didn't have to be awake a second longer. So I'd roll out of bed at 7.52, shower, car at 8 o'clock, boom, gone with a, a biscuit in my hand. I could be to work by 8.30. I just hated it. And it was a very soul-sucking thing for me. Some of you may have experienced that in work. Some of you may feel that way in your calling. And I felt that very same way. At that time, I couldn't figure it out. I thought, gosh, why is this so painful? Why is work so hard for me? Why is it that I feel so sluggish and drained all the time? And in the course of that, I stumbled on two scriptures that have shaped my entire career. This set me on my path today. And here's the first one. I've kind of bolded the part that was most important. I'm reading in Second Nephi and I come across these words men are that they might have joy. And I thought, yeah. Yeah, men are that they might have joy, not that they might have joy from the hours of 5pm to 10pm, or that they might have joy on Saturday and Sunday and just be drained every other day of the week. But it's men are that they might have joy, like all the time, like, why not? Why should I not love what I do every day and feel happy doing that? So that was a big revelation to me. If I'm feeling miserable, my work, there's got to be something I can do about that. I came across in that same day of scripture study from referencing joy. I went and cross referenced it over to this a lot of text, but I've tried to bold the most important stuff. You probably recognize this, right, Kurt? Yeah, absolutely. Parable, the talents. I read this parable and a couple things stood out to me. Number one, every man has talents according to several ability, every man. So if you're on this call today, man or woman, and you say, gosh, I don't have any talents. It's right here. You do. You have them. Number two, you can gain more talents. There was one of, these, one of these servants went and they gained more talents, five more. Number three, talents led to the joy of the Lord. When I used my talents, it led me to joy. Number four, when we're afraid, we have a tendency to hide our talents and bury them in the earth. And again, maybe there at the end, everyone that has them and uses them gets more. And those that we don't have and bury get taken away. That feels a little scary, a little punitive. But the idea is there, right? Men are that they might have joy. These things kind of rocked me. I thought, wow, I must have talents. They must lead me to joy. And I must be right now either burying them or ignoring them. The second story I'll tell and then then we can pause, happened in an elder's quorum. And this is not uh, an actual photo of that elder's quorum in spite of the fact that that guy there has my same haircut, looks exactly like me. (laughs) (laughs) That was when you Google... By the way, if you ever Google image elders corn, there's not a whole lot out there. So right. <laughs> we need more pictures of elders corns. So true. I was sitting in elders corn. My good friend Bryce was teaching elders corn that day. And he stood up at the front of the room and said, the lesson today is on talent. And I perked up because at this point, I've been spending my life exploring talent for about five years. And he said, I want to start off with a question. Who in here feels like they have talents? I guess so many hands went up? Like one. Nobody else raised their hand. And so he called on this one guy. He said, what's your talent, Mike? And Mike said, my talent is that I'm the most humble person I know. And you know, <laughs> Elder's Quorum joke. Everybody <laughs> starts <laughs> laughing. <laughs> the priest did chuckle, obligatory. Everyone starts laughing. And then Bryce says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, though, guys, who in here feels like they have talents? We all sat there and it was awkward and it was quiet. And it went on for about three minutes of silence. And he said, anybody? Anybody feel like they have one? John, do you have any? Dustin, how about you? everybody just kind of shrugged their shoulders. Finally, one guy raises his hand. like, I know John's a pretty good photographer. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. John goes, yeah, actually I've seen uh, Mike's pretty good at riding bikes. Yeah, Mike riding bikes. And that was it. And the lesson went on and we went on to explore talent. As this lesson goes on, I'm sitting there with my reflection, my little notebook in front of me thinking, what in the world is happening? We're sitting in a room of 25 men 25 guys who go to work every day, 25 people who um, God, we know from the scriptures, gave talents to, and not one of them can identify their talents. What's up with that? It shouldn't be that way. We all have these. So why do none of them, none of us know what they are. And so that's kind of what, that would be my setup, Kurt. That's what brought me to the conversation today. I want to help people figure this out. I want to dedicate the rest of my life to doing it. Yeah.
0: And you contrast that with your story with your sixth grade class where almost every hand went up, right? There's something that, that dies inside of us as we, <laughs> as we age, you know, that not only, not that we don't have talents, but sometimes we're just
1: afraid to share them. Right. What an interesting concept just to juxtaposition this, is that the right word? So a uh, sixth grade, and I go to that class and I say, Hey, raise your hand if you have talents and they all raise their hand. I say, what are your talents? And these sixth graders, Kurt, 20 out of 20 of them are just rattling these things off. I'm super good at kickball. I'm fastest kid in the class. Uh, The one random kind of Texan that's like, I'm really good at shooting stuff out of the sky with my rifle. And all the other kids are like, well, that's kind of weird. (laughs) Every one of those kids has a talent, right? Yeah. I go to a group of seniors in high school, not two weeks later, and I stand in front of them and I say, raise your hand if you have a talent. Nobody's hand goes up. So, I teach them how to identify their talents and I say, okay, raise your hand if you have, raise your hand if you discovered a talent. All their hands go up and I say, raise your hand if you're willing to share it with everybody. Every hand goes down. Then you send a group of like adults and you say, raise your hand if you even have a talent and nobody even wants to own it. It's like, yeah, something dies in us. Something, something happens that makes us, I don't know what it is, numb to our talents. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, So what do we, uh, what can we learn from that as far as, I mean, is it, what's the problem? Is it with us? Is it a personal problem or is it society or what? Good
1: question, Kurt. That's, Hey, by the way, this is a talent of yours, right? Asking the right question at the right time. That's why you do this. That's why you're good at it. Here's what I think is broken. There's three things that I've found in my coaching with people for the past decade in my teaching and training with people in the past decade that, that are mindsets that get in the way of talent. So here's the first one. It's the deficit perspective. The deficit perspective is very simply that we are kind of trained and socialized, especially as we go on in life, to figure out what's broken and fix it. If you think about employment, the last time you got an evaluation, what did you do? Well, you probably skipped right past the stuff you do well to get to that last page to identify all your weaknesses. And then you probably got really hung up on those weaknesses. Like, really? Is that a weakness? Well, I want to debate that. Is that really... Why? Because we want to fix it. We want to become really well-rounded. And so that deficit perspective gets in the way of us being able to look at at what's good about us. We're too focused on what's not so we can become really well-rounded. The irony is the world doesn't want well-rounded people. The world wants specialists. The world wants people that are good at stuff, right? And yet this deficit perspective really gets in the way. We're told to kind of fix what's broken.
0: Yeah. And this this is such a concept... It's, it's so important, in, especially in the leadership context, is that I know as a leader, even when, when we are trying to lead people, we look at the deficit, right? Totally. When we're calling somebody, and you know this process, calling someone to be a bishop, it's, you know, we're, we, we don't want to make a mistake. And so we focus on people's deficits, why they couldn't serve or what wouldn't work. And, and it becomes very difficult to take a chance on people. Mm. The same thing is happening with talents as we We step back thinking, oh, there's somebody else. You know, my deficit's so big that somebody else can do this or I'm not prepared enough to do this. But this is a a shift in the paradigm that needs to happen.
1: This one also manifests, Kurt, in speaking and teaching. I've got to keep myself in check in the state presidency that every talk I give at state conference isn't beating up the members for a deficit and saying, we're not doing this. We're not doing that. You know where this seems to start to happen is with the youth. Yeah, primary we don't do this. We're like, you're amazing. You're awesome. Little kids. Like, yes, you're so talented. And Make then they picture. get, to, you're so good at that drawing it, even though it's like maybe a little average, right? You're right. But then those kids get to the youth and we say, got to turn off those phones. You got to stop wasting so much time. You got to stop. And is that stuff important? Super important for sure. But if that's all we ever do is help them fix their weaknesses and deficits, then when do we ever highlight what's great? Hmm. So that's that so powerful. That's that mindset. So here's the second mindset we call it a scarcity belief. It's this concept that God had a certain number of talents to give out. And so he doled them out to like a few people. Uh, there were a couple that hung back and got a, one or two and the rest of us got left behind. Right. And so we show up on the earth and we're like, man, how did I miss that boat? Was I getting a sandwich in the pre-existence while everybody was lining up for talents? We feel like there's like talents are scarce and hard to to find. And if I can't readily identify it, I must not have one. And so we just believe that there's not very many to going around. There's not enough talent going around. The reality is why, why would that be like God who is an eternal, totally kind, omniscient God, why would he only give out just a few talents to people? It's just not that way. We learn the doctrine covenants that spiritual gifts are given to every man and woman and that they can be amplified and you can gain even more but this one's a dangerous belief. There's just a few talented people and the rest of us are doomed just to develop our skills. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you'll touch on this here going forward, but it's interesting just in this, generally speaking with leading LDS as I have, and many of us have, have developed it and built it. Many individuals get the impression that your ordination removes the need of, of talent mm. or it removes the need of developing talent. Right. Because I think, and I've used this example many times, We look at Elder Bednar, man, what a remarkable leader. And he can answer any question on the fly. I mean, he stands sure. up in there in confidence, in confidence and says, in, you know, in a state leadership meeting, says, ask me any question. And he hits a home run every time, right? And we just think, sure. wow, this man has been ordained as apostle and that's what apostles can do. Mm-hmm. We, we totally discount this, the fact that this man spent 30 plus years getting a doctorate degree in organizational behavior and writing textbooks and research about this. Right. And yeah. so sometimes I feel like with the scarcity belief, we think, yeah, I, I'm just not that, that person. I can't do what he just did. But if you study, if you work, if you look at the knowledge and try to inquire it, that t- talent can be developed in you, which with that talent comes confidence. But anyways, I don't know if that, I mean, you
1: nailed it all, but, but no, no, not what at I all. Think of when I think scarcity, belief You totally nailed it. Elder Bednar, it's my belief that at a young age, at some point, identified a natural aptitude for acquiring and retaining knowledge, conveying information in a meaningful way, connecting with an audience, having poise. I mean, these are all talents, right? And he identified that and went all in on it. And now we see the end product and we're like, whoa, ordained apostle. That's what happens when you're an apostle the reality is I have to believe that he identified that at a young age explicitly or implicitly and pursued his talents and developed them. Yeah. Yeah. So true. There's enough to go around. Let me, let me share this last one. It's going to create a little bit of a rustle. You're going to hear it throughout the U S as people see this humility complex. Whoa. Now this one's going to be a bit dangerous. Okay. But I'm going to go there for a second. We as a society, yes, we are a prideful people, but we also have this, we overvalue humility When it comes to talent, let me tell you what I mean. Think of the last time somebody came up to you and applauded you for something. They came up to you and said, Kurt, that was the most amazing webinar I've ever seen. You are so gifted at leading and facilitating questions. How do you start to feel when that person is kind of lauding praise on you? How do you feel?
0: Oh, gee, Dustin, Uh, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that good. You know, I I don't know. I could have. There was a few mistakes and I had a coughing fit at one moment (laughs)
1: Yeah. We do this, ah, shucks thing where it's like, ah, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not really that good. Honestly, it's the, it's the, the message was better. It's the scriptures that did it. It's the, and you know what, there's something to be said for that. I can appreciate that humility. At a certain point we talk ourselves out of our talents. You do that enough. People come up to you enough and say, Hey, you're really good at that thing. And you say, Oh no, it's just not me. I just, it was a good day. I said, the weather's good. It's the summer equinox. And then, you're going to talk yourself down from your talents. You're going to, you're going to actually use humility as a tool to talk yourself out of it and say, it's not a new thing. Again, this one's a little dangerous. So I know I'm kind of playing on the edge cause humility is super powerful and we've got to recognize those talents come from God. But boy, he gave them to us to magnify them and use them. I'm not saying we need to be like, that was a good webinar. Wasn't it? Man, that was awesome. Like I was on point. But I am saying that at some point we've got to accept that praise and listen to it and say, I wonder if there's something in there. I wonder if there's a clue about what I do very best. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because it is one thing you don't want to um, you want to just take and be like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at webinars and you uh, know, and, and 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 not I'm not going to try and improve at all because I, I think yeah. I've got this down pretty well, right? And I remember individuals when I was in the state presidency, you know, maybe after a state conference talk coming to me and saying, oh, thank you for that, and I would try and be very intentional of just saying thank you. I appreciate your kind words. And then not saying anything else. Even inside, I'm just like, I don't know. Was not that good? <laughs> oh, come on. I, you know, I just sort of push that back, but, but I think there's power in and then stepping back and saying, okay, like what else can I develop here? I think I'm onto something. There's a talent here. How can I develop it further?
1: That's the secret. So if you're on the webinar today, you need to write down what, what Kurt just said. That's the best answer I've found. People ask me that. They're like, so what should I say? You say, thank you. You say, thank you for, for telling me that. I really appreciate that. And then you go and you write down that clue and you say, oh, maybe I do have a knack for delivering a message. And then you figure out how to develop it. You don't rest on that. You go and you do something with it. That's what the parable of talent says. You got you to grow it.
0: And as we go through this, as people are, are watching, obviously this is live and we want this interactive. So if you have a question or a thought, you know, an experience, uh, put it in the comments section um, in Facebook or in the the, uh, comment section in the, the chat box in zoom and, and we'll reflect on these as we go. So we, though, you know, Dustin and I can have just fun talking between ourselves. <laughs> if you like, so.
1: Yeah. So, and this would be a good spot for questions. If there are any, I'm happy to take any, if not, we're just going to press on. Should I just press on?
0: Yeah. Press on and I'll keep my eye on the questions. And okay. Good. As we go.
1: Good. So if you followed along the next question in your mind should be, okay, Dustin, I get it. Now, how do I identify them? how do I figure out my talent? So I want to spend a little bit of time talking that through. How do you identify talents if these things are getting in our way? Well, first, I want to get clear about, about what a talent is. Kurt, play along with me for a second, since okay. you're the only victim I've got that I can actually talk to. I can take it. What is a talent? Tell me, you know, these, these young kids identify as a superpower. How would you define it?
0: Yeah, I, I love that uh, sort of that, that thought of it being a, a, a superpower. You know, a talent, I think, is take a moment to think about this, a specific skill or trait that that becomes natural, but also has much potential.
1: Good. Hey, again, people, if you're on the call, write that down. That's a super great definition of talent, right? It's something the most important word I heard you say is it's natural. Yeah. So I want to differentiate this for a second. There's a difference between skills and talents. Skills are transferable. I can teach you how to do something. I can teach you how to run a webinar and you can learn the skills and master the skills. In your calling, there are skills. That's why we go to teacher development training. Teaching is a skill that can be taught. And so because of that, we have manuals we have the come follow me program and we have skill development skills. Learning skills is a powerful thing and should always be a part of your leadership development. Talents are natural and because they're natural, they energize us. They cause us to feel fluid and and powerful and happy and satisfied and talents release good feelings because they're so natural, a part of who we are. We don't have to really work super hard to do them. They're innate to us. Talents can be developed. So if I take my talents and learn skills around my talents and add knowledge to my talents, I can grow them to become a really strong strength for me. Hmm. But I want to clarify the distinction there. Skills can be taught and are transferable. Uh, I can teach you how to ride a bike. I can teach you how to cook. I can teach you how to teach. Talents are natural. They're innate to us. By the way, the great paradox of talent is that because it's natural, it's super hard to figure it out. Because it's so much a part of who we are, we use it every day and we don't even realize it. We don't stop to think about it. In fact, I, I would guess, Kurt, if I gathered 20 people who know you well in a room and said, what does Kurt do naturally well? Like, What's his gift? Or what does he do well? I bet they would come up with same themes. I bet they come up with the same 3 to 5 things. But yeah. if I ask you, Kurt, what are your talents? If you're like everybody else we freeze up. We're like, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And one thing I was going to add
0: there is it's it, I've had this experience many times in my life where, you know, I'm I'm very right brain, I have a very creative mind. I approach things differently, I think than, you know, made more an- I approach analytical assignments more creatively and and mm-hmm. But there's often, whether it's in a meeting, whether it's in a calling and I say something and to me, I feel almost stupid saying it because it's like, now I know everybody's thinking this, you know, of course, of course, this is obvious, right? And they look at me like, oh, that's a great idea. And you're like, wait, 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 you guys didn't think of that, right? Or you guys didn't think to do that or this is really hard, right? And it's sort of tough in that moment because you don't want to come across as like, well, you know, I've... I'm so much better at this. super talented. But to me, it's like this, this, uh, you know, this light bulb goes off to thinking, huh, I think I have a knack
1: here. I could develop further. That is a predictor of talent. That's a sign of it, right? When I have a sign of talent is it's instinctual again, because it's so natural. I oftentimes don't recognize it. But again, the most important word there is it's natural. The other thing you can see on there's a clue. It's it releases energy. Meaning when I do it, I feel good. I feel more energized. I walk away happier having done it than before I started. Where skills can sometimes really actually drain us. In fact, one thing I teach folks all the time is that, you know, a strength is something that makes you feel strong. A weakness is something that makes you feel weak. A weakness is not necessarily something you're bad at. It's something that makes you feel weak. So I, I coach a lot of people that are really good at their weaknesses They do a lot of stuff. They do a lot of skills that make them feel weak at work. And then they come to me saying, everyone's praising me, promoting me, awarding me. And I hate it. I can't stand it. I hate doing that thing. And that's because they've become great at that skill or great at at a weakness potentially. Yeah. Talents don't make us feel that way.
0: Betty says here, uh, I really like the energy slash natural description. Even though you need skills to do everything, what you do naturally and are energized is a talent. Yes feel good and happy. And I love that, that caveat to that definition as well, because in a calling, you could step back and ask yourself, when do I enjoy it the most? Mm-hmm. You know, there was many times as a Bishop where certain things I just hated, you know, the, the audit process, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's an audit night. Well, it's a necessary evil. Let's get it done. But I wasn't like, Oh boy, it's another audit. You know, let's get out the spreadsheets and, and see what we can learn here. Right. Yeah. But to really step back at your calling. If you're really struggling in it, step back and say. What do I like about it? What really works for me and energizes me in that
1: moment? And then there's a clue there. You, that, you nailed it. That's how you figure this out. So if you're sitting there on this call today saying, yeah, but how do I find these things? Kurt just gave you a clue. It's all about energy. So look at your calling and say, what are the moments in my calling when I'm at my best, when I feel most energized, where I feel most satisfied? What is it I'm doing? For somebody out there, they are loving the audit. I don't know who they are, but I love that yeah. person. And, uh, and for others of us, they're not, it's maybe like talking to the youth, planning an event, organizing an activity, showing gratitude. It could be any other thing, but yeah. energy is a clue.
0: You know, another thing I want to uh, state here, that the thought that just came to mind is many times, obviously in the church, we have opportunity to, to move around in different chairs, right? We have different callings and it's easy to sometimes, you know, think, oh, if I was the primary president, uh, I would do that completely different, right? And yeah. She's missing it. She's missing the point, right? But it's important to step back and say, Mm -hmm. well, maybe there's an energy or a passion that she feels in a different area Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that that causes maybe the primary program to be subpar, but Mm -hmm. there's some other areas that are really excelling. And that's the beauty of rotating these callings is the next time, the next primary president, maybe she is just energized by the primary program concept of that calling. And it looks like this you know, Las Vegas production of, uh, lights and uh, spectacular, uh, you know, fireworks or whatever. But nonetheless, I think it's, I think it is helpful to have that perspective of stepping back and saying, well, yeah, they do it differently than I do. And, and I think they're missing things, but maybe they feel energy in different parts of that calling that I just
1: wouldn't feel. I mean, doesn't that make sense? God knows his people. Well, he calls people to callings through his servants. He knows what their talents are. And he knows that if they serve using their talents, it'll get that program where it needs to go. It may look different than you would do it. And it should. In fact, you're, that's a great point that I, I want to come back to in a moment, which is we should be using our talents and we should be doing our callings in a different way. You gather all the second counselors in the state presidency in a room together throughout the whole U S or even the world. I guarantee you we're all doing this in a different way. Yeah. I mean, we should be, we shouldn't just be doing cookie cutter, right? Yeah. Love that. Let me share one other thing, which I think is powerful about how to figure out your talents. This was huge for me. This came about 2007, about four years into my journey to figure out my talents. I came across this concept, and I can't remember if, if I just stumbled on it or how I, I figured this out, but I realized that talents actually come in three varieties. And the biggest challenge with identifying talents is we're only giving respect to one of those three varieties. The first one, when we think talents, we're only thinking of doing talents. And we figure if I don't have any of those, I must not be talented. So Kurt, give, give me some examples of some classic doing talents. If you're standing in front of a group of youth and you say, give me some ideas of the talents, what types of things are they going to say?
0: Um, doing talents like uh, sports, maybe? Sports, um,
1: good. Athletics. Yeah. I, or anything like speaking, you know, public speaking is probably one. Speaking, writing, music, rifle yeah. shooting. Yeah. These are what you call doing talents. They're observable. You can see them happen. The challenge is most of us walk the world saying, I don't have those. I'm not playing in the NBA. I'm not an excellent musician, so I must not be talented. There are actually two other kinds of talents. The first kind is called thinking talents. What do you think thinking talents are, Kurt? Any idea on those? You know, I just
0: did just recorded an episode for the podcast that I'm excited to release about introverts in the church. Yeah. And the research on introverts is interesting and i consider myself i'm definitely lean more introvert than extrovert but the thinking the, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes in their yeah, head yeah. is i mean there's some talent there and and oftentimes totally. you know there's the stigma of the introvert being like oh they're not the leader and they're they're shy whatever but the process is happening in their mind is they is remarkable and they there's a lot of talent there I, I
1: would say tons of talent it could be that that person is able to think strategically one yeah. step ahead Maybe they're super good at inputting information in their mind and retaining that and drawing on it when they need to, like Elder Bednar. Maybe they're really good at problem-solving, analysis. Maybe they've got a mental card catalog. Maybe they're quick thinkers. Maybe they're ideatic, meaning they have like lots of ideas. I don't think that's a word, by the way. <laughs> but uh, thinking talents are all about the way that my mind processes information. Kurt identified one earlier creativity, the ability to sit in a meeting and see the gaps and and name those as a talent. The third kind is called feeling talents. Feeling talents are, are about the way we connect. It could be that I'm super empathetic, or maybe I can walk into the room and sense the mood without anybody saying anything. Or maybe I have natural positivity and enthusiasm. And as I talk about a topic, I can get people really energized about that. It could be that I just have a strong intuition for people or that I can sense things. This is kind of like that spiritual gift of perception, right? That you can just perceive things in your heart. Here's some examples of each of these. And these are just a few. I mean, there are probably hundreds of each of these different kinds, but you can see the doing talents are the kind that help us arrange, organize, develop, communicate, write, convey. Feeling are all about the way we relate with people, connect with people. So if you've struggled to identify your talents, start by diversifying your perspective here. You may be super strong and feeling talents. And maybe you don't have a ton of doing talents, but maybe your, your place in the world is that I am a connector with people. And I do that better than almost anybody put me in any calling and I will just build connection.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I love this, this concept of feeling talents. It's something I've never thought of before, but it show one of my big limitations. I remember when I was in the state presidency, the second counselor who we were, we were literally like two months apart in age, mm-hmm. very similar backgrounds. But I would watch him, you know, and you know this weird dynamic of uh, being a state presidency. You sort of just go to meetings and you sit up there, and they treat you like your royalty. You uh, know, uh, you know, President Peterson is uh, presiding Absolutely. this meeting. It's like yeah. I'm just sit- holding down this bench, really. But, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and, and so. But it's different from when I was a bishop where you feel like you're involved in people's lives, people yeah. come to you, or in the stake presidency, you're just sort of floating and like, <laughs> right. So and, true. but this other counselor, he would go to any ward in the stake. And after the, after the meeting, he'd go down and he'd be able to, he'd talk with people and interact with people like they were old friends and they yeah. feel like they were old friends. And I'm just yeah. like, I can barely remember these people's names of the 5,000 plus people in our stake and any stake he would go, he would just have people and, and say, you know, how's your daughter doing? How? And I'm like, I don't even know they have a daughter. Like, how do you do that? You no. Know? So to me, it was, it was absolutely a talent that I was constantly striving to work on is having that talent of connection among so many as, as a leader, it was difficult.
1: That's a great point. So let me pause here and say, Let's just say for a second that you don't have talent in an area. Does that excuse you from developing it? Do you say, well, I get, I'm just not a feeling person. So I'm just going to lead this ward as a thinker. Unfortunately, (laughs) it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, God expects us to develop talent in all three areas. He expects us to do stuff. We know that that's what the gospel is all about. He expects us to connect with people and relate with people. Maybe we need to develop skill in there that we just don't have. And maybe it's always going to be kind of hard for us, but Yeah, that's an expectation. So we don't just get to like lean on our talent and say, we are just gonna be an analytical ward with creative ideas that processes our information and I'm just gonna kinda We've all had that bishop. It's (laughs) doctrine from the pulpit all the time. And I'm not gonna connect with people. That's just not who I am. We don't get to do that. Yeah. That's a solid point. I want to flash a ton of text up on the screen. So prepare yourselves, folks. This is a buckle up for a no-no in presenting, but I just have to do it. Here are some examples of talents that are super easy to identify. And why is that? Because they're visible. You can see people do them. Like, wow, that person bakes or cooks or writes or public speaks or teaches or acting. Man, they're super good at that. But here's a list of talents that are just as legitimate, if not harder to notice Mm -hmm. being a peacemaker, being positive, having self-control or discipline more so than other people. Maybe you're a getting tasks done person. And you're better at that than most people. Maybe you're good at analyzing and sorting data. Maybe you're super thrifty. Maybe you're really good at seeing the good in others and individualizing things to other people. You can stand up in that lesson and individualize to every person in that room. That's a feeling talent and it's a thinking talent and it's not something everybody does. It's unique. So you should figure it out and do more of it. Yeah.
0: You know, as I'm looking at all these words... I love the diversity of the talents that I'm seeing. Right. Um, And I'm not sure how to articulate this thought, but here I go. Anyways, (laughs) you know, I'm just thinking of, of that relief society president who's called and says, you know, G Bishop, I, I'm not like sister. So-and-so she's got all these talents, you know, the way she, she commands the room and, and loves people. Right. And so I think there's this sort of this list of, as we go into a leadership calling, there's this list of, ideal talents that maybe i'd like to have and maybe i can develop a little bit and then and that's usually where we stay mentally we're just like well i'm not this is going to be a mess because i don't empathize like Bishop so-and-so did and man i I can't teach like that person did right so it's important to have those there but then to step back and, and look at this list and say okay these are the talents i do have so what does this bring to the table that these talents don't while I'm still developing these talents because I think they're really important, it's really important for a least society president to be able to empathize. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to work on that. But in the meantime, hmm. I think I think I could really organize the visiting teaching in a way that would be a game changer, right? Yeah. so I like this dichotomy of of realizing that it's one thing to say, and I like the the message that you're giving again, I'm trying to articulate this. I love this message of saying. You can't just say, well, I don't have any talents because they're not visible talents. Hmm. But now you can say, actually, I do have talents. You can't stop there and say, okay, how can I match these two? And while still gaining talent that I need as a leader, but leveraging the talent I do have, I I just love that concept that that you're bringing into my mind here.
1: Talent is the how, is the way I tell people. So I'll show this in a moment. I'll just flash, but I'm going to talk about it now. You've probably seen kind of the the concentric circles, right? The why in the center, the how. Hmm. And then the what comes from a guy named Simon Sinek. And there's lots of uses for that model. The why is kind of why you lead. And if you don't know that, maybe that's webinar number two. That's that purpose. It's that guy that wrote in and said, what's the purpose of life? That's that why. (laughs) The how should be how you actually lead. And how should you lead? You should lead through your talents. So when you're called into as a primary president, you should sit down and lead it in a totally different way than the previous primary president. You should lead through your talents. The what is your calling and the what changes every day. My what changes. I'm a leadership consultant. I'm a career coach. I'm a father. I'm a second counselor in the state presidency. I'm a husband. My I'm what a Mormon. brought to you I'm by a... church of Jesus yeah. Christ. Did somebody film that? Cause that should be, <laughs> I'm a Mormon. Yeah. Your what changes all day, every day, but your how can be the same. When I'm leading family home evening, I'm using my talents. When we're having conversation at the kitchen table, I'm using my talents. You can deploy these in any of your what's. So that's a powerful concept. I'm, I'm mind blown here. Okay. All right. Keep it together. Um, <laughs> and if there's any questions, you stop me, Kurt. Otherwise, I'm Yeah. And, go. and
0: please, those that are listening, uh, I'm, I'm monitoring here. You know, Betty's asking as far as I wish I could print the slide out. And uh, they said, well, you can take a picture of it. So she took we'll it. We'll get it to you. We'll get it to you. But yeah, we can make these, these slides available. Totally. Uh, as well. And uh, on Facebook, I think we're good there too. So, but yeah, yeah. As, as
1: people, Have questions? Just put them in there, and I'm keeping my eye on it, so we can uh, interject those. Okay, let me flash through a few last slides. Then, again, if you're sitting there, you're probably maybe still wondering, Dustin. I still don't get how to do it. How do I figure out my talents? Let me just give you the best way I found to do this. I use this with in workshops. I use this all the time. It's the best way I found to do it. What you do is you simply. We're not going to work the exercise right now, but you can kind of practice this on your own time. I want you to think about the best day you've had in the past six months let's just because we're on leading LDS let's talk calling best day you've had in your calling in the past six months I want you to think about a couple of things though that I want to remove you can't think of a day where you didn't have to do your calling like man that was the best day because I got Sunday off I didn't have to do yeah.
0: Stay from the awesome. weekend as a bishop love
1: it it's the best. Oh, best day ever I want you to think of a day where you actually did something in your calling And as a result of doing it, you walked away or drove away and thought, wow, that was awesome. I felt fulfilled. I felt satisfied. That was exciting. I felt fluid. I loved doing that thing. I want you to take some notes about that. Do about a two minute reflection. What were you doing? Get specific. Who was it with two or four? Who was the audience or who were you working with? And most importantly, why was it so meaningful? When I do this in workshops, people gather, you know, about maybe two paragraphs of information Buried in those two paragraphs of information are their talents. Remember, talents release energy. So when I think about days, Kurt identified this early on in the presentation. When I think about days or moments when I'm doing something that makes me feel energized, why am I feeling energized? Because our Father in Heaven and His mercy has hardwired our bodies in a way that they release endorphins when we do things that are natural to us. So when I'm using an innate talent... It's easy on my brain and my brain pumps endorphins and says, do more of this. It feels great. And then you get the Holy Spirit that confirms that thing and says, this feels good. Do more of it. That's why. That's why you feel good. And it's also because you're serving people and and those things, right? But God has given us mechanisms to help us identify talents. And one of the best I've seen is energy. When we feel good and fluid and natural, it's a clue about something he's given us a gift to go and do more of. Remember, talents release motivation and energy. If you feel motivated, it's probably because of a talent.
0: Listen, let me interject a question here. It says, uh, do talents also include music ability or instruments and artistic? I know I have these talents, but don't dive into the practice because I feel like I should be focused on family history, my calling, my other family duties, etc. But feel guilty taking time to practice my artistic abilities. That's what do you oh, think about that? That's a good that's
1: question. A great question and point. Does it include artistic ability? Absolutely. Now, let me be clear about that. When you're doing a piece of art, the talent might not actually be the art or the painting. The talent might be the ability to arrange concepts in a visual way that conveys a message that's emotional. That's the talent. Can you do that and apply that in your calling? Can you arrange things in a visual way to move people? you could totally could, right? You absolutely could arrange things as part of a primary program in a visual way that moves people emotionally. That could be a piece of art. So is it? Yes, it is. What you said though, both hurts my soul and I relate with it so much, which is that I, I feel like it's self-serving. So I don't go all in on my talents. What I would tell you is that we, the world are missing out As a result, we're missing out. We're all sitting here saying, gosh, I wish I had some beautiful art to look at today from you. And so there's got to be time dedicated to talents. It just has to be. Family history is super important and there are talents embedded in that, but we've got to use our talents. We learned that from the parable of talents. We have to magnify them. It's what God expects us to do. Mm, Love that. Okay, I got a little preachy there. I'm going to back off the preaching. Right. Easy, easy. That yeah, was close. So, here's a few examples of talents. These are some of the talents that I discovered back in the day when I worked through this exercise. I only show these to you to give you an idea of what they might look like. It's good at synthesizing information, preparing lessons, facilitating and teaching, researching things that are important to me. So, these are some examples. Again, these will be in the slide deck. We'll post, I'll send these to Kurt and he can post them so you can look at these later. But I just want to share a couple closeout thoughts. I know we're getting close on time. Is that right? Yeah. And then, I mean, not that we have a hard cutoff, but try and keep it around an hour. Okay. So let me, let me share a couple of thoughts and then we can do some more questions. We already talked about this one. How do you go lead with your talent? Your talent is your how. So whatever you've identified your talent to be, I want you to look at your calling today and figure out how to do it. I was talking to my wife yesterday about this. And she said, so give me like a real example of that. I said, okay. She's like, I said, give me a calling. She said, all right. I'm calling you as the ward clerk, no longer a second counselor in the state of you're now the ward clerk. How are you going to use those talents as a ward clerk? I said, you know, I would probably first spend the six first six months just learning my duty to make sure I was doing it well. And I would kind of become big at robotic to make sure I was doing my job. But very quickly, I would start to maybe synthesize data about whether it's home teaching or temple recommends or anything I could. I go out and I look at the data and try to synthesize it. I would then come to a bishopric meeting and not just kind of be like the quiet person in the corner, but I would ask for some time to present what I found to the bishopric so they can use their keys to counsel and figure out what to do about it. So I would just be the guy over in their corner that would like prod them or push them along and give them ideas. I'm not going to take over and I'm not going to overstep my boundary, but I am going to use my ability to research information, synthesize it and present it to help that bishopric. Why? Because if I don't, I'll go crazy. I also told her about our staking executive secretary. He can very easily, his name is Randy Macca. He can very easily just do a good job making appointments for the stake president, but he, he doesn't, he comes prepared to share ideas. He counsels like a third counselor. He has spoken in state conference and priesthood leaders because he's so good at it. He's magnifying his talents. He's not just falling in and becoming robotic. So that's our how the other concept I would share with you is this. I want you to pretend that your life up, that line right there is equilibrium in life. Most of us go through our day like this. We wake up in the morning, we go through the morning routine, and then we accidentally do something that spikes our energy. We stumble into a talent and then we drain it and we do more boring stuff that we don't like to do, but we have to do And then we accidentally do something else we enjoy. And then we drain it even more and that energy starts to deplete. And then we do something we really love, but by then it's too late. We're running a deficit. And we end our day or we end our Sabbath day feeling drained and tired and kind of beat down. If talents release energy, that means we can use them to boost our motivation. So what does that look like? That means you start your day by doing something that releases your talent. That individual that questioned said, Hey, should I be doing my art and going all in on that? You should start your day with it. Then you'll have a lot of energy that you can drain to do stuff you don't want to do like the audit report. And when you start feeling yourself drag, you should have an appointment with somebody that'll boost your energy where you can then drain it to do more stuff you don't want to have to do. And then you should go speak at a Ward conference or whatever. And then you drain that to do stuff you don't want to do. And before you go home, you do something you love as you inject your talents into your schedule, you keep yourself above equilibrium and you can tap the energy from talent to do stuff that you don't want to have to do, but you got to do because it's part of the job that works in career that works at home. That's why my wife gets up in the morning and exercises before she comes home and does laundry and other things. And then she goes and meets a friend for lunch. And then she takes some time to read a book. It's because she's boosting her energy and tapping her talents.
0: Yeah. And it makes me think of, you know, there's, there's so much in in a leadership calling context and there's so much administrative work that you can just get bogged down with. Right. And so by being proactive and starting with something that energizes you, maybe it is something more administrative, right? Or maybe it's, you know, making that visit in somebody's home that really energizes you. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of what it is, by starting that, before you get into the, the laborious meeting, you know, Bishopric meeting or whatever it is, that's going to increase the energy, which will make that boring thing more effective and
1: the, that's it. the unnecessary evil more effective. That's the science of talent. Yep. You can tap the talent to do stuff that you otherwise don't want to do, but you have to. So let me leave you with two things. Number one. I told you before about that group of high school students, 200 students in this auditorium. We spent an hour identifying talents. I said, raise your hand. If you got a talent, every hand went up. I said, keep your hand up. If you'd be willing to share it with the group, every hand went down. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you see that? Let's do that again. Raise your hand. If you have a talent, every hand went up. I said, keep it up. If you'll share it, every hand went down. I said, why are you putting your hands down? They said, because, because I'm afraid. What if everybody laughs at me? What if they don't think that really is a talent? What if I share it and they say, you're not good at that at all? What if I feel judged? What if I'm not as good as I think I am? And so they don't raise their hand and they don't share their talent. Kurt, this is the biggest challenge I see in the church when it comes to talent is that people have them, but are afraid to share them because it feels uncomfortable. Why? Because it's innate. I don't have to work at it. It's a natural thing. So maybe I'm not that good at it. Everybody's telling me I'm good at it, but... And I'm not as good as I think I am. You know, what? better just to not do it. If you want to be great and lead with your talent, you raise your hand when somebody asks When they say, Hey, we need somebody to do blank. You raise your hand and say, I can do that. Take a, take a risk and dive in and see if God does not help you magnify that talent. The other thing I leave is just this quote from a guy named Wallace Waddles. Wallace Waddles. <laughs> very best thing you can do for the whole world is to make the most of yourself. That start, ends us where we started parable of the talents. The best thing you can do for mankind is to develop your talents and go use them to serve people. You know, just use them for self-serving things. You use them to make the church and the kingdom of God and your career and your family a better place a better thing. But that's the best thing we can do.
0: Mm, love that. You know, and I'll adjust that, you know, from a leadership perspective, the best thing you can do for your ward is to make the, make the most of yourself, you know, because I think oh, that's good. there is this, cultural aspect and i don't know it's not just a mormon thing it's in all organizations but where you know you probably got when you were called the state presidency people came and just said, can i offer my condolences ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so totally we sort i sort joke that. about you know nobody really wants to be the bishop and that's probably generally true but yeah. man it, like step up there you know and i always tell people you, we should never never aspire to a calling but we should aspire to be on the list of options right Yeah. Like, It would break my heart if there was another, there was a leadership calling needed to be filled and my name wasn't on the list. I don't need it. I don't, am not going to feel bad if I don't have it, but I think there's this, this uh, stigma, this uh, cultural thing that we need to get over of just saying like, you know, if you need me, I'm there and I can do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to serve. And that's when everybody, and every time anybody finds out I've been a bishop, I say, you know, if you ever get a chance, say yes, because it's the best mm-hmm. opportunity you can ever have in the, in the church. It's the best calling, right? But we, we can't downplay these things like, oh, well, nobody wants that responsibility, right? But step up and and uh, and be that leader, right? Be a leader, not a calling, as, as the old adage goes, as, as I say with every calling. So just to give us some final encouragement. If there's any uh, questions here, um, I got to say that the, the anonymous person who wrote in this is through you can you can ask questions anonymous anonymously through Zoom on the question Q and A box. Yeah. Uh, but the one that said about ask question about, you know, her musical talents, she said, yeah. thank you. I needed to hear that answer regarding practicing. I'm in tears. Dustin, so okay. you're making people cry. All right. I appreciate it. You stop <laughs> making
1: people cry. No, Dustin. It's a talent of mine, Kurt. I'm super good at making people cry. <laughs> not, um, not my intention, but I but I feel it. I get what she's feeling because I felt it myself. And so yeah. and so I'm glad I had that impact. And that's a, and sorry, my brain's going all over the place, but what a
0: wonderful leadership role as a leader in an award and really study. Give people permission to l- use their talents, right? They they sometimes in life we just need permission from somebody to mm. say, you know what, that's okay. What a beautiful thing. You have a musical talent. Now you mm. have permission to feel self-serving because in reality you're serving the world.
1: So that's, yeah. that's two thoughts there, just real quick, two yeah. things that came to mind, some, some parting inspiration. Number one, remember at the beginning where we said the great paradox of talent is that everyone knows yours, but you, because they're so natural to you, you don't even know them, but everybody around you does. That means that your job as a leader walking off this call today is to go identify talent, when you see somebody that does something naturally well, you may even be thinking of that person right now. I urge you to get off this call and shoot them a text and say, I just want you to know that you're better at this than most people I've ever met. Like you're really good at this. This is a talent for you. You've got to tell people and you probably got to tell them over and over and over because they won't believe it. So you, you have the charge as a leader, whether it's in the youth or the primary, or whether you're in the Sunday school when you see talent, you must identify it for people because if you don't, nobody else will. Second, every calling is an opportunity to discover and magnify talent. I don't care what it is. You call me to the nursery tomorrow, by the way, I would love it. And I guarantee I'd discover or, or develop some talent there. I might, you know, people might initially say, ah, gosh, I don't want to be the ward music director. I don't even have any musical talent. Maybe that's not why you were called. Maybe you can get in there and organize it, arrange it get the right people in the right order. Maybe you're good at moving people, motivating people. Every opportunity is an opportunity. Every calling is an opportunity to develop your talent.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Dustin. A few uh, comments here just to wrap up. People are sending in says, uh, Laura says, so we need to have the natural attitude of the primary children and be superheroes. That's, That's right. right. Sum it up. And Andy says, this is, this is unprecedented. Dustin, so get ready for this. Andy says, he commented in and said, this is, is the best webinar ever. Okay. So there you have it, Dustin. We have it identified is. some talents. You, my friend, are the new webinar king. And
1: <laughs> the webinar king.
0: So, but uh, if people want to get in contact with you, follow you, maybe they need some career advice, where would you look
1: at that? That's there it is. Awesome. If, if you've got a visual, then you can see it. If not, first of all, feel free to reach out to me, Dustin at Proof Leadership.com. If you have questions about talent if there are resources i talked about today that i could send you i'm happy to do so the best website for talent is ThinkReset.com. i run two but that's the one where i have a book that talks about talent i just am about to launch a course in february to help people identify talents in their career it might have some overlap with uh, lds leadership but if you want to get in touch with me that's the way to do so and i would welcome it i talk to people all the time and try to do whatever i can to help identify their talents i'm happy to do so
0: again, if you want to do a deep dive about the principles that Dustin Peterson just talked about, be sure to check out his new book called Talented at any place where you get books. Or check out the link in the show notes for the book. And that concludes this throwback episode of the Leading Saints podcast. And I remind you once again to text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to subscribe to the Leading Saints weekly newsletter.